This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts, Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding. to another episode of the Art House Roadshow. Uh, this is Hank here, and I'm actually in Columbus, Ohio, with my good friend Kyle. We are chilling at his place, um, and we are excited to bring you an episode here. Our, our microphone setup is a little bit different, so it sounds weird. Um, it's my fault, so blame me. But Kyle, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Well, welcome to, uh, to my spot here. Yeah, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. So today we're talking about, um, as in our series, uh, we just posted uh, recently, Rocky 1 through 4, and then continuing that series, we're going to do Rocky uh, 5, and then the first two Creed movies, plus Rocky Balboa. So even four on each side, uh, as we're preparing for the release of Creed 3, which comes out actually today. That's right. Um, comes out tonight. So anyway, so anyway, um, very just exciting. Kinda, just really diving right in here. I know that you've been ro- watching a lot of uh, these movies recently. That's right. Kind of a rewatch. So, kind of as you're rewatching these films, what are the things that are jumping out to you uh, on your most recent watch through of these Rocky films? Yeah. Um, well, Ro- Rocky. So I think we got into a little bit of Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa last time. Uh, but just enjoying the the shift right uh, from Rocky the fighter, even though he he still finds a way to uh, fight in Rocky Five and in Rocky Balboa. Uh, the seeds are <clears throat> are planted and growing uh, regarding him becoming a mentor. Uh, first it was Mickey, then it was Apollo, and now he's shifting into this role, even though he's also resisting it in a way or. Uh, find, still finding his own things to, to battle. But it's interesting from a hero's journey kind of place um, where you see, obviously, there's always a mentor uh, in, in the hero's journey. And so watching his transition into that is, is quite fascinating. Yeah, and I wonder when it comes to Rocky, like the, one of the things that obviously a lot of people when they come to watch like this, this film, or all of these films really, is is how Rocky himself takes on the battle, right? Like, and obviously Rocky Balboa, he still does that. Um, I remember Stallone saying that when he released Rocky Balboa, he felt like a collective laugh come from like really the entire world, you know? Yeah. Uh, on that, uh, just because of the the idea of a fifty five year old man stepping into the ring. Um, I mean, historical examples we have of. Like, for example, Muhammad Ali did that uh, in his later life. George Foreman did it a bit. Mm-hmm. Both of them did not did not do well uh, in their in-ring return of their sure. advanced years. But, I, you know, the, the idea of him passing the torch is always a little bit difficult. And you see that kind of first in uh, Rocky V with the Tommy Gunn character. Um, and that actor has an interesting story in and of himself. But mm-hmm. sure. uh, when it comes to the hero's journey in terms of transitioning from being the primary, I guess, quote unquote, hero themselves to kind of being the mentor to another hero, what's significant about that shift, not just in terms of Rocky, but just, yeah. you know, I guess culturally, philosophically, theologically, whatever that would be? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you see a little bit with uh, Luke in the, the last trilogy, Star Wars trilogy, right? Uh, and also his resistance to to be that and his failure at that with Kylo Ren. Oh yeah. Um, 
And of course, in some ways with uh, Bilbo and, and Frodo as well, although it's very difficult for Bilbo because his relationship to the ring. Um, and so it's very interesting to look at the complications, um, you know, of, of transitioning to this place and all the uh, history and all the stuff you're bringing with it, obviously, which I think is one of the strengths of Rocky Five and Six. Uh, that he's he's really dealing with that, and then you get to see it in this, you know, I think very profound way in the first Creed movie, um, when he his fight is is something very different, his fight with cancer and and um, and his you know inability to um, connect with Creed and Adani mm -hmm. and to you know allow for all the history that's coming with that for both of them. It's awkward and, and difficult. But anyways, yeah, I think it's it's fascinating to uh, look at that in terms of getting to see the mentor and all their baggage where you don't really get, you get some backstory with Mickey, mm -hmm. you know, you get some backstory with Apollo, um, and uh, but to actually witness that and then see the transition itself from first half of life to second half of life qualities. Uh, as Carl Jung would uh, would put it, uh, or Richard Rohr, you know, it's, it's very interesting to actually get to witness this whole thing. Yeah, choose your fighter between Richard Rohr and Carl Jung. Yeah. <laughs> very different figures. Um, and I think that, I mean, that's one of the things that I kind of wanted to focus on a little bit here, is the difference between, because in some sense, um, and I don't know the story behind the making of Rocky Five. maybe you do, um, you have the kind of perfect send-off for Rocky. He defeated Ivan Drago, uh, and then very almost intentionally, um, Stallone in Rocky V moves in a direction of, okay, well, Rocky's now back to being poor, um, and he's got kind of a serious medical condition that's from a result mm -hmm. of being punched in the head so much yep. and so hard by so many great fighters. Um, so now he's moving into this mentor role. And I don't know if the plan was that um, there was going to be more after this, but it's a really interesting film. But... In some sense, like what what goes right for Adonis Creed versus what goes wrong for Tommy Gunn mm -hmm. in kind of these films? Because if we're looking at this in the lens of the hero's journey, and I, I know you've mentioned this before, like maybe in your letterbox more specifically, but Creed represents more of this uh, hero's journey that um, Rocky did when it originally mm -hmm. came out in the seventies. Uh, then does kind of the the Tommy Gunn character. In some sense, Rocky Five is still the hero is still Rocky Balboa. Right. Um, right. So what what goes right for Creed that goes wrong for Tommy? Well, one, I think he's Creed, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we were mentioning this earlier in discussion, but even the fact that uh, Sylvester Stallone, you know, was not a part of the initial writing and proposing, you know, proposing, you know, this movie about Creed's son. Uh, and it was very much a Ryan Coogler project. Uh, and even when Stallone was initially invited into it, if he resisted it, um, and so I think it would—it really took something like that to shake it all up. Yeah. Because um, Stallone, even as we get into Creed Two, you see he's actually part of the writing, and and it feels more like a Rocky movie than the first Creed does. Um, and so it's hard for Stallone not to be, you know, the center, not to be Rocky. Um, I think, and so it continues to, which again, I think uh, is actually beneficial in 5 and Rocky Balboa, because it continues to build 
the framework, even though every, you know, from four forward, um, it's the last movie, you know, they keep saying, uh, and then there's something else to, to wrestle with, but you get this real second half of life, rites of, rite of passage, um, and that again, like he resists and he doesn't know what to do with the beast in the basement, he calls it in Rocky Balboa, yeah. um, and fighting with grief. Um, and wrestling with his son's, you know, his actual son's issues at that point. Um, anyways, yeah, I think that, that, um, Creed is just a dynamic char- character, uh, where Tommy Gunn was just kind of another fighter, um, off the street and that Rocky, you know, enjoyed mentoring, uh, but Adonis, you know, has some real leverage, real weight, real history, um, real needs, real insecurities, uh, all of which, you know, are already there. Uh, there's not a lot that you really uh, have to do other than explore all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do it uh, so well. And, and it's the Creed, um, in some ways, might be the most cleanly, you know, clean-cut movie of all the whole series, mm-hmm. the way that it's made and um, told. It's, it's really quite um, fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that I... I mean, obviously, the, the one movie that doesn't quite fit in the four that we're covering is... Uh, or as much as Rocky Balboa. Instead of it being in a, another fighter, it's his son, um, played by... And I don't have his name. Milo. Uh, Milo. Name, yeah. yeah, he was famous, I remember, during that period for... Uh, he was in Heroes, that film. Mm-hmm. Right? That show that was on uh, NBC at the time. Um, I mean, real quick though, the the story of like Tommy Morrison, who's the guy who plays Tommy mm-hmm. Gunn, mm-hmm. is is fascinating of its own right. I, I won't get too far into this, but I think it's interesting. There's also an ESPN thirty for thirty on this um, mm. if, for people who are interested. For some reason, I'm a sucker for sports documentaries. Yeah, for sure, man. Of course. Uh, um, and I those ESPN thirty for thirties, like I'm addicted to. I just recently watched um, the uh, the one on the Orlando Magic. And oh yeah, dude, it's, it's great. It's so good. And then the Last Dance. That's not a thirty for thirty. But yeah. Anyway, but basically, yeah. Yeah, basically. So it's it's a really great documentary that kind of talks about like his professional career going into Rocky and people kind of getting around him as kind of to be this next great heavyweight deal, but he gets into. Uh, some addiction stuff, and then also uh, gets contracts AIDS and shines a light on yeah. um, AIDS in a way that um, like hadn't been. There's a lot of stigmas and kind of presuppositions around. Yeah, that, Magic Johnson had also yeah been diagnosed around that same time. Absolutely, yeah. and so it's uh, he's kind of a part of this larger story outside the ring. Dies young. Um, and it's just really tragic, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, how that happens and everything. But it's, it's in some sense, like that's the kind of like art imitating life kind of situation with like Rocky's kind of down and out, moving out, getting sick. I mean, obviously in Balboa, you learn that uh, Adrian has passed uh, due to um, a bout with, uh, I think it's cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, that's yeah. what they talk about. And I, I know that they confirm that in Creed. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, uh, you know, and so the, the idea, of course, is like, um, like looking at kind of real tragedy and loss is what these last, these four movies seem to be about. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, Polly dies in between Balboa and, and Creed, um, you know, and then in Creed, Balboa is himself fighting illness himself. And so yeah. it seems to be like these latter movies. We can go back to three, so Mickey dies in three, right. and then Apollo dies in four, mm-hmm. and so yeah, grief is a grief and loss and um, being in that that kind of or just establishing that framework and kind of living there. 
it's part of, again part of the gift of the majority you know of the series in a way yeah i mean and we've talked about this before like the 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 ability of a boxing movie to represent more than than boxing yeah um you know i, I like it or even they're like the the movie warrior it's not like a um boxing movie per se um stars tom hardy that is another case of an example of like there's something more than just boxing going yeah. or fighting going on fathers here. and sons and yeah mm-hmm. and i mean even with grief the one i mean just to continue on that theme i love the the idea that in uh creed 2 we're shifting not only from rocky's grief and, and apollo's uh, apollo creed well adonis creed um his grief but also to the grief of the dragos um in yeah. a certain sense and the grief coming from russia Absolutely. And so there's a sense in which, like, this this is really does that well. I think for, I mean, generationally speaking, like, you know, I know that um, Rocky meant a lot to a uh, generation just to, before, like, my parents' generation. Um, and in some sense, Rocky has kind of gone through these major transitions of life with that generation. Like, what sure. do I do, like, after I'm no longer an in-ring boxer? Like, what's my life look like? Yeah. And, and even as he's kind of transitioning out of the roles, like the major mentor, it seems like, of, of Creed, of Adonis here. As, uh, and so what, what do we do? Like, what's life mean with all of these um, shifts going on? And that's one of the things I really like about Rocky is that he has that famous speech in Rocky Balboa that, like, a lot of people I know really gravitate towards where he talks about, like, you know, it's not about getting hit, but it's about how many hits you can take but keep kind of moving mm-hmm. forward it's a great mm-hmm. life strategy a terrible boxing strategy <laughs> i'll put that out there but sure i mean what do you make of this i mean you're obviously a mental health um like um practitioner and you you think about these things but this is uh like this theme of like moving forward despite life's griefs i mean we just watched before here before we did the podcast um a deleted scene from is it creed one or two 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 yeah. where um rocky does the eulogy for spider rico whom, if you watch the first one, he's the first fighter that Rocky yeah, him, yeah. boxes, and then in um, in Rocky Balboa, um, he's um, he works for Rocky. Um, oh, he's the, hanging out at the restaurant, yeah, and then he starts doing dishes. That's right, and, and whatever, um, and but he's very Christian um, in Rocky Balboa overtly, and when Rocky uh, before his fight at the end, Spider Rico reads a little bit of scripture over him. Uh, not by faith or my by his spirit, and um, which is also pretty great. Just a great, mm-hmm. you know, reconnecting. Um, and I think Stallone's always trying to do that, reconnect to the earlier characters, themes, you know, street from five forward. Uh, that's that's really valuable for him. Yeah, is is Stallone particularly religious? We've talked about how Scorsese like puts in his films a lot of theological overtones, mm-hmm. and there's a lot in these Rocky films. No doubt. Um, Is that something that Stallone is invested in himself as a director, actor, that kind of thing? Or is that just something that um, he just brings to the character for this instance? Yeah, I mean, definitely. uh, The most I know is that it's very, I mean, he probably grew up, uh, I imagine, Catholic in some way and obviously has um, his own relationship with it. But certainly using it, you know, again, as a storyteller screenwriter writer uh knowing uh the community you know the character of rocky the community he's in uh, the importance of faith and the importance of again the passion of rocky the passion of christ the like moving through suffering 
getting knocked down, getting mm-hmm. back up. So all this baptism, death, and resurrection imagery, blood and sweat, Eucharist stuff we yeah. mentioned last time, right? Uh, it's all there. So uh, obviously, it's very important for him to to ground the character in that way, and also give something again a bigger. Um, something to attach to um, and and lean on in this again uh, the first big opportunity in the first place um, seems kind of magical and, and out there and, uh, so anyways you know not of his you know doing it on his own right um, in addition to contending with you know a lot of soul work uh, again in these last uh, four or five movies around the grief and the loss and the uh, lack um, and more, you know, mess ups and the need to apologize more and need to confess more. I mean, it's all there. Um, and Creed too has some of the best um, baptism imagery with Creed and the with Donnie in the pool uh, before he gets. Uh, destroyed by Victor Drago the first time. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the birth of their child, uh, the, the classic desert, uh, which in Rocky Four it's the you know wilderness, uh, but here it's the desert, which obviously forty days, uh, Jesus in the desert, uh, just that like grimy, uh, having to um, go into that spiritual place, Desert Fathers kind of you know place. We go to the mm-hmm. desert. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to learn and to die and to you know resurrect and so all that is definitely there again yeah. in Creed 2 in a way that's not in Creed 1 yeah and I think that's the thing that's like this idea of like um, fasting right the mm-hmm. deprivation both from in, Creed, in uh, Rocky 4 and Creed 2 I mean both obviously fighting similar opponents with Ivan Drago and then Victor um, it's this sense in which um before the spiritual journey, there's this this need to, and I mean, we're in Lent, obviously, this is a great time to talk about this self-renunciation and things like that, and putting off something and confessing, that's that's a big part of what Rocky's doing. I, I, I love that, as, as I was kind of watching back through, that the first shot, we talked about this last time, of, of Rocky is kind of the face of Jesus in this sense of like, you know, pans down to the ring. Yeah. There's a lot of shots that look like from the ring, like almost ringside upward mm-hmm. in Rocky, I noticed. It's not a whole lot of top-down stuff. You right. know, more of the more contemporary like shots. Like so the the obviously like the production is a lot different from like the Rocky first movies and the Creed movies. It's a lot higher production and things of that nature. But um you notice that there's a lot more kind of almost like in a Terrence Malick sense of like looking at the bottom up towards the yeah, heavens. Right. And you get that a lot from in, whenever he's in a church and whenever, like for example, like the scene where they're sitting and praying in the hospital in the chapel, it's really yeah. upward shot. And then we even within like the ring, like when he goes to see the stadium before the fight and Rocky, the first one. Yeah. And it's always this kind of like the smallness of Rocky versus the bigness of yeah. that, that venue. And so there's a sense in which there's this openness to this uh, mystery beyond um, Rocky that it's always pulling him towards it, but always in some sense beyond him and eluding him. Yeah. It's this, I, and again, that's I think the importance of the spiritual journey of Lent is this kind of like recognizing one's place within kind of the vastness of the story. And, and doing the work of like penance and reflection and, and confession and things of that nature, I think yeah. are essential. 
And again, yeah, the season of Lent, and to your mental health question, which I didn't really answer, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but pertains spiritually to like the embracing of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of the increase of anxiety and depression, in a way, is that there's the narrative out there, not only the narrative, but just uh, the, the, the easy, it's very easy to comfort ourselves yeah. uh, and to find comfort and move away from whatever version of suffering, large or small. Yeah. And a lot of the work of mental health, you know, and I've been at Mount Vernon almost three full years, school years now, uh, from getting to see, you know, some journeys, working with students. Um, who in embracing some of these things are making some real strides, you know, moving forward. But anyway, positive psychology, um, the whole study of positive psychology is uh, grit and resilience and effort um, and resisting our, you know, impulses and and compulsive nature for, Mm -hmm. again, comfort um, and how important that is uh, in every aspect of life, we, we often use the sports athletic metaphors cause they work really well and they're very visual and they're mm-hmm. very dynamic. Um, and you see results, you know, from that, uh, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, it's the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to appreciate, um, uh, or, or want to understand your emotions if you're just moving away from them. And you're certainly not going to get the full understanding experience of spirituality theology if pain isn't you know you don't allow pain to be a part of that right uh experience that picture and and meaning of suffering and those kind of things uh which you know are clearly not there's not clear cut like understanding of it but it's very much a part of that experience and i I mean this is something i've been pondering about when i listen when i watched Rocky and Creed. In some sense, this is true for both Adonis and Rocky. Um, in some sense, there's the, there's a woundedness that they all have. Rocky, yeah. um, you know, even when we meet him, and we talked about this in our last podcast, like when he, he goes to break the thumbs of the guy who owes the mom mm-hmm. box money, he can't do it, mm-hmm. you know, because he's overcome with the story. There's a sense in which his wounds have been an opportunity for him to be more uh, gentle, which is strange to say from a boxer, right? You know, that he's a gentle figure. But yeah, I mean, Rocky, sure. but Rocky really is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Even from when he... Uh, Humanizes him, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I even love the kind of... And obviously this character doesn't really show up again after, but the... Uh, uh, I forget her name, the character who uh, Rocky meets in that little bar that, beca- that was the yeah, yeah. little girl that he walked home trying to keep her from hanging out with the wrong crowd. And yep. she, she calls him a creepo, you know, and... Uh, yeah, she comes back in Rocky Balboa. She comes back in Rocky Balboa, and he's just, like, immensely kind to her for mm-hmm. some reason. Um, and I've always liked that about Rocky. There's this, like, like sweetness about him, in a certain sense. And, yep. I mean, you see that also, too, in terms of, like, Adonis's, um, uh, like, relationship uh his romantic relationship with, um, I forget the name of that character's name uh, now. I just watched it. So yeah, Tessa really... Thompson. Tessa yeah. Thompson, yeah. Yep. She's the actress that plays her. Bianca is her name. Bianca, that's right. Mm-hmm. And and in some sense, like there's a, this, this is the long way to get to this very short question. Um, there's a sense in which one's wounds can open. This is a more of a mental health question. I guess it's also a spiritual question too, but can either open oneself up to the suffering of the world, right? Um, or kind of like make one bitter. Like I see those kind of two trajectories. Sure. 
I'm, I'm currently working through uh, Barking at the Choir by Greg Boyle, which is, he's a great uh, Jesuit priest who has a gang ministry out in L.A. Um, yep. called Homeboy. And he tells a story about this guy who um, is talking about his past, and he says, I've learned to embrace my wounds. My wounds are my friends, because how can I help other people heal unless I embrace my own wounds? What's the, like, what's the thought behind that? Because that's something I've been thinking about myself wounds obviously are painful parts of our mm-hmm. of our lives how do they either open us up to help other people heal or cause us to just collapse into bitterness i mean that's obviously a big question but mm-hmm. yeah, one maybe yeah. you could offer some insight on yeah i mean i think uh moving into bitterness is you know just a lot it's a loss of control uh it's a loss of you know uh it's easy to uh, again, in legit ways or non, you know, quote unquote, legit ways. Um, but we're all vi- we're all victims of something. We're all victimized in some way or another. Uh, if you're, you know, walk outside your door at all. Um, and but even just by engaging with media, media is all the time victimizing us by trying to shoot us in this direction or get us to look at this or to buy that or whatever clickbait. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all manipulation. Um, and so, anyways. You know, it's easy once you, you know, just recognize what's happening or what has happened, Mm -hmm. um, where I have been directly or directly wounded or indirectly, um, but it's very scary. I mean, that's the first experience is like, wow, you know, Mm -hmm. um, this is, this is, uh, hard, uh, it's going to require a lot of me. And, of course, self-protection comes up, and bitterness is just a form of self-protection. Resentment's a form of self-protection. Addiction is a form of self-protection, right? Um, and so, again, I talk about this, you know, all the time, moving from reaction to response. And so it's very, you know, again, anger and anything associated with anger from bitterness, resentment, shame, whatever, um, are often reactions. And part of that is once we... want you know, recognize that we're in reaction or at some point we might embrace bitterness and resentment and these things, but they stop working for us. Mm-hmm. Addictions work for us for a little bit until they don't. Right. And then you're at a place where, well, I have to choose between either this suffering or this one, the suffering <laughs> yeah. of being bitter and resentful and addicted and harming myself further, uh, or choosing the suffering of having to do the work of reconciliation, forgiveness, healing my wounds, confronting these things um, and quote-unquote accepting or overcoming, you know, depending on what the thing is, um, it's hard work. Um, And I think that we, you know, um, I don't know, this this may have always been true, but in some ways now in a very well-developed, you know, civilization that uh, from, you know, the time you're born has a lot to offer in the ways of comfort and consumerism, and stimulation, you know, that um, we're, uh, when, when the suffering and difficult times come, we don't feel prepared or know what to do with that, which is a total, right. like, Gen X stereotype. <laughs> we grew up bad news bears, right? Yeah. You know, coaches could still drink alcohol and throw things at you, and, and, um, and things could get ugly, which was my, you know, experience in the 80s. Um, and people can't get away with those things anymore. Uh, but there's something to, you know, you know, if you've seen the movie Whiplash, is a more recent example of, you know, terrorizing jazz um, teacher. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, who's there to get the best out of his students through very abusive means. Um, but anyways, you know, we've all become, you know, uh, very self-aware of all these things. Um, and so I think, yeah, we, we kind of developed the expectation uh, that we, we should be able to bypass suffering um, or, res- you know, resist it in some way, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's right. always there. And, you know, you said, too, just, like, looking at how the characters all have wounds, certain wounds or disabilities. You know, Bianca's, you know, has a hearing disability. Um, and for most of us, just, we all have disabilities. They're just more hidden at times than others mm-hmm. and you know contending with that and re- reconciling that yeah like I have to be who I am mm-hmm. um, and it's up to me to you know accept that and contend with it and find the strength in my disability um, is also good work to do but it's hard yeah and I mean you see that reflected well in kind of the I mean obviously this isn't the this is not going to win the, the Oscar but the like Rocky Balboa, I think is a significant film for me, and kind of like working through grief in that sense. Like, like true grief is um, that he's kind of lost. You see Rocky more wounded than he's ever been, even though he's had wounds before. But even when he had nothing, he had Adrian, um, and yeah. kind of removing that causes him to move down a different stage of life. And and you see that even develop further with within the Creed dynamics. In some sense, like the fighting metaphor. Um, is itself to try and uh, I, I imagine create these conditions within ourselves in which we we do the hard things that have to be done in order to move on in our lives to uh, keep going. I mean that's literally what Rocky is kind of getting at with that speech, but also embodying within his whole I'm going to fight this <laughs> the champ uh, the world he- uh, heavyweight champ in my fifties and hopefully not die right. in a ring, right. you know. Um, and things like that so it's it's a challenging uh challenging message um with these films i mean obviously we've, we've talked a lot about the mental health stuff but like what other themes do you think are significant for us to kind of talk about here with relating to these four films um yeah well the one i mentioned on instagram uh which is fun and interesting and and relevant uh, but just the shift to hip-hop um, and as the urban context changed and urban um, in terms of culture, pop culture uh, in 90 when Rocky V came out, uh, but the series embracing that part of the culture, uh, not that it hadn't been urban before, uh, hip hop, you know, uh, definitely brings its own mm-hmm. flavor, brings its own context, brings its own kind of aggressiveness. And so the soundtracks of five. Rocky Balboa's soundtrack, uh, which only has hip hop uh, in the fight in the actual movie, but they have a whole soundtrack of song hip hop in the mid two thousands inspired. Uh, some of that, which I really love, and then the Creed soundtracks, which both you can you can get the score soundtrack or uh, the the various artists inspired in hip hop in the actual movies, uh, is great, and I love that part that energy that's that's brought in and part of the universe again speaking to the value um you know of the african-american community regarding rocky and apollo creed um and mr t you know um and these and james brown in rocky four um very much a part of this context 
um, even with you know Polly being racist and but there's just <laughs> some realism with that right you yeah. know I think that um, that is actually healthy um, mm-hmm. and and good to contend with and in six you know little Marie is her is the uh, girl's name Marie's son is mixed he's half african-american and you know and there's actually a deleted scene rocky balboa where he's talking of forget his name uh he steps right yeah steps yeah and he's talking with him again like uh donnie in creed when he's getting vegetables out of the van and taking them down in the basement um but he's with steps and steps um and rocky again is telling him he's asking him about him not having a father and rocky's talking again like he did in introducing five Rocky didn't have a father, and he also talks about not having a mother, so I'm not sure what, he never gives any more details than that. Um, but again, that becomes a very important, again, kind of, I guess, the theme of father and sons and, and parents and family. Uh, it isn't just a, you know, as much as it's promoted, it's you against you, uh, looking in the mirror theme. Uh, the I think need- that's a line straight out of I, the Tiger, right? The, or no, The Burning Heart. Yeah. Which is the sequel song in Rocky Four to Eye of the Tiger. That's right. Um, and um, yeah, so just the uh, the need for family um, and the community uh, around these characters who are in their own battle inside themselves. Um, they're not also just isolated individual heroes. Uh, they're very much a part of this community that sustains them and challenges them. Um, and resist them in, in way, interesting ways. And so, um, anyways, there's a lot there. But the, yeah, you against you uh, mirror component of the movies that really comes out in the first Creed, um, yeah, I just love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah, and I, I think that's the, the, the challenge of, of um, it's, it's in Balboa, but it's in the first Rocky too. The fact that really it's not about winning or beating this other person. It's about like going the distance right. and staying in the fight. He's fighting against himself in a real powerful way. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's one of those things that like I, I wish I could describe fully why these movies just always appeal to me. I think part of it's just been it's a part of my family. But I think that's at the heart of it. Like the this sense of like, um, you know, being able to look oneself in the mirror and actually like... Um, and actually, like you know, I'm just continue on. I don't know. Yeah. That's the kind of the language there that I think is really significant. Um, and I know that you've done uh, some great work. Uh, I actually was reading it before I, I came in uh, to your house out in my car. It was the Facebook post you did about um, ranking kind of all the different mm-hmm. Rocky films? Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I know that Creed and Rocky are numbers one and two, right? In your in your list. No, uh, Rocky's one. I had four. As two, and then Creed is number three. Oh, okay, I yeah. just misread that. So that's why I meant Rocky was number one. I know at least that. So, yep. um, in a sense, then, like, what what makes those films then like rest at the top? Obviously, Creed is very high mm-hmm. in that list. What what kind of causes those films to be that high on the list for you? Yeah, well, I just think the component. I mean, one, uh, the relationship with Apollo, part of four being two, in, in ranking number two above Creed, um, is it obviously being foundational for mm-hmm. Creed to even you know exist, right? Um, at all, but also again, Rocky's relationship with Apollo and and all of that. But with um, Rocky, 
first Rocky and four and Creed, first Creed, I think dy- those are the most dynamic visual movies uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, one, Michael B. Jordan uh, would have been a great silent era actor because his face communicates everything all the time. Um, and that's pure cinema in its own way. Yeah. And even though, you know, four uh, gets accused of being more MTV, you know, music video, and lots of, you know, montages and whatever going on there, but very visually um, engaging film. Uh, especially when anyone is into the wilderness versus technology uh, thing going on, which continues to be relevant um, immensely in so many ways, uh, especially seeing Drago and two uh, Ivan in particular, and just kind of, you know, beat down. He talks about, you know, like the dogs in Russia are not fed and not cared for. Uh, and that's obviously the way he's been treated and doesn't even live in Russia, lives in Ukraine. Um, and has only been able to give his son, you know, that part of himself, because that's all that, you know, existed. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think that those uh, three are just primarily the most well-made, the most visually interesting, which makes them more cinematic. Um, and but also just much more tight, you know, just together, where five is, a, is kind of a mess. Uh, six has some great compositions, but it's a lot of rocky speeches, yeah. a lot of talking, you know, and it's ultimately very character driven. Uh, so it can lean into television, you know, talking character kind of modes at, at different times in the series. But I think those three definitely are the more cinematic. Yeah. And I think, and Creed 2, though, as well, digs deeper, especially into the desert, you know, the pool. Places like that, and even uh, the way they they film uh, Ukraine in that kind of Man of Steel Superman colors uh, for Victor, I also thought was very interesting. You know, mm-hmm. approach to that as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned this before, even like with Creed too, the ways in which they um, they flip the kind of lens to see what Philadelphia, you know, because you have the scene, the iconic scene of Rocky running up the steps um, mm-hmm. in the Capitol, and, you know, there's a statue there. Um, it's been moved from the steps to uh, just outside of it. I know that because it's... Yeah. Uh, anyway, but, um, you know, to see it from the lens of Drago, uh, the Dragos, you know, lo- what that looks like, you know, you're seeing it from Rocky's perspective as kind of the American hero. Instead, you flip it for the, the one that's like the enemy, for lack of a better term, um, in Drago at that space. And so I think it's, it's interesting to kind of see how, like, the Rocky movies evolve in a certain sense. Like, they are always very deep, but the ways in which, you know, the us versus them mentality of, like, the 70s and 80s kind of gets flipped to see that, well, you know, uh, Drago has a story, too, that's important to tell, um, and his son has a story that's important to tell. I mean, that's the even just like the way it ends with uh, him throwing in the towel. Yeah, and this, it's, it's which a big is a, deal. It's a callback to uh, mm-hmm. it's a callback to Rocky not throwing in the towel for yeah. Creed, um, and but also like his reasoning of being like you know uh, don't don't throw your life away for them you know, and and I I, I just love that. I think that's why Creed Two is just so high on my list of like. Uh, films in recent years just because it tells that story so well it's really just a story of I mean yeah it seems like a lot at first um, because a lot to take in but um, but I feel like the more I go back to it the more it really opens itself up and I and and I would love to have more of that uh, more of their story 
They yeah. at the end of them, them running together rather than, you know, Ivan was the first, like, about to run him down with the van when they're training. Right. And, um, and, but the last scene of them back in Ukraine, they're running side by side. And so it's just a great, again, visual, like, coming together and, and again, Ivan embracing uh, his own thing there, letting go of that pain, uh, letting go of projecting that pain onto Victor, um, and turning away from, you know, the, the Russian, um, you know, rejection, ultimately, uh, that was becoming a rejection of his own son, mm-hmm. turns away from that and instead turns towards embrace. Um, and I think Victor has a significant role in Creed Three. Um, yeah. Oh, really? Super, super interested to see, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't catch that. Yeah. One of the things I'm looking forward to in Creed Three is Jonathan Majors. No doubt. He's uh he's he's been around for a while. Like he did the Lovecraft. Um, I mean, I forget what the, the Lovecraft Country. Yeah. Lovecraft Country. He's so he's been around for a while. and He's done a lot of great stuff. But this last year, he's really kind of had three really big roles. Um, yep. In cinema, the first was in Devotion, which I saw that, loved it, thought he did an incredible job in yeah. that film. And then most recently, in the more popular side, he yep. played a, he played the villain in the most recent Ant Man, and he'll continue in that role um, for the later Avengers movies. And he did an incredible job, uh, just like really, br- like he brought a lot of energy to that role. That was really, I mean, he put it in contrast with like Paul Rudd. Yeah, know? right. <laughs> and you know, this is not to bash Paul Rudd or anything, but like Jonathan Majors is just a very talented actor. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does in this film because this will be the third kind of big movie that he was he's been a part of this year, and I've really enjoyed watching him. Uh, it makes me kind of want to go and watch the rest of his stuff because yeah. he's a just a talented, talented character, and just the compelling idea of like the past is coming back to kind of haunt uh, Adonis here. Uh, it seems yeah. like he's his fighting career is kind of sunsetting. It looks like, uh, which feels a lot like what is happening this feels a lot like Rocky 3 mm-hmm. um, in a certain sense though even yeah. though Creed 2 in its own way felt like Rocky 3 because yeah. you had the first fight where he lost the second fight where he goes back and faces him but in some sense this has a lot of the, that same kind of story as well um, well yeah, I think that yeah the criticism of Creed the first Creed was the you know the uh, I can't remember the fighter's name um but there's no real villain in that, which I'm okay with, because again, I think it's really Rocky and and Donnie and Donnie again at war with himself and his uh, need to prove himself and and those kind of things. But obviously, uh, Victor was a great villain in Creed two, and I really like. And so you know, and then you know, going back to Rocky three and four, Mr. T and <clears throat> Ivan and those, you know. They're great villains, but they don't have much story right. uh, going on. So I really like, you know, in terms of Rocky Three, Creed Three, um, that this is about uh, Donnie's past, um, and and we'll get to get to learn a lot about this character. I think, right, um, and what it brings and what it means for him to again have to have to dig deep uh, and do some some more soul work. Um, regarding you know how this plays out, but even just the fact that like yes, yeah, the darkness uh, that's coming to light, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a metaphor mirror for all kinds of things. 
So I'm very excited to see what they do with it. Yeah, and I remember thinking just as a kid the first time I watched these films, I thought Mr. T was going to come back and help Rocky beat Drago because I thought that's the cycle. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> obviously that's what Apollo does for Mr. Right. T and things like that. So I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens here with this character because he um, obviously it's just it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, but I also don't want to put too many high hopes on it <laughs> either and get disappointed. But I've yet to be, and I say this like absolutely straight face like, I haven't been disappointed by a Rocky Creed movie. Even Rocky Five, for all of its kind of messiness and weirdness, I still really liked what the film tried to do mm-hmm. and enjoyed kind of the... Because in some sense, Rocky Five is, is about Mick. He's becoming Mick as he's yep. kind of transitioning out of being Rocky. Right. Um, obviously, they do the hard cut back to the end and they, they have that fight in the alley where you know he's Rocky again. But, <laughs> um, but at the same time, like they, you, you said it best, it feels now in retrospect more like a Creed prequel than it does a yep. Rocky sequel. Right. Um, which I think is a very helpful way of understanding what happens or both from watching Rocky Five. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, so what else from this or any any final thoughts on this these these films as we're kind of No, it's just fascinating, you know, that uh, like even Star Wars was developed with, you know, each time a trilogy and and Lord of the Rings already existed to be, you know, broken up and uh, made into whatever it is and looking at Marvel um, as well in a different legacy oriented kind mm-hmm. of you know cinema uh, movies but Rocky's interesting just from again yeah just the kind of messiness of not really having a long term plan um, and it's been interesting to see how it's come back especially since five um, in particular but because you know again just kind of uh, this could be the last one. Probably is the last one. Let's let's you know make it look like it is the last one. Right. Uh, yeah. And then, in its own way, again, uh, resurrects uh, with the with the new story. And but again, it's been interesting. Even you know initially laughing at Rocky Balboa, um, how you know uh, easy it is to reconnect with this character characters in this universe. Um, and as it grows and expands and moves, you know, to a next generation, I just think it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's maintained the gravity uh, that it has, and in each, even in the worst, you know, uh, worst parts of the Rocky universe, uh, there's something to kind of gravitate towards. And as I get, you know, deeper into middle age, my um, mid forties, and and you know, my brother's turning fifty this year, and so you know, like the older you get too, the more you just identify with this longer story process. Uh, generational and, and all these aspects so I just think it's phenomenal and that it is grounded it's not science fiction it's not fantasy um, and even it's fantastical in so many ways it still is very grounding you know, yeah as uh, again boxing movies tend tend to be but <clears throat> yeah anyways yeah I always it's one of the things that I think would be an interesting thing for us to do sometime obviously in the future because we got a lot of rocky yeah at this point but I think that there's it's it would be fascinating to do a kind of uh, a trajectory of two different Stallone characters. One, of course, being Rocky. The other one being the other famous one, Rambo. Oh yeah. Because obviously that he's done a lot of Rambo movies, right. and he's even continued those into the recent in recent memory. Like there's one he did obviously Rambo one through three. Yep. And then he did John Rambo at the same time he did Rocky Balboa. Yep. Which was kind of I I thought was kind of funny. I was like you know that's that's on purpose it feels yep. like and those characters have very very different trajectories mm-hmm. 
um, which I think is, is fascinating. Um, but you know, you, you mentioned that you gravitating towards it the world, the older you get. I feel like there's the one thing that you could say when you watched it when the first time when, when we were young to, if you watch it when you're in your later half of life or something like that, or even in the middle, I think the thing we always gravitate towards is having something to root for. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, this character, like I said, is, is traveled with a certain generation. I think that's very appealing. Like in the later parts of life, when we feel like we don't have anything to root for to see that there's much there left to be rooting for. Um, I think it's a fascinating story to tell. Um, and again, it's on accident. It's not like Stallone when he was writing Rocky one is like, all right, when I am in my seventies, right. Uh, we are going to pass this on to Creed's, uh, you know, um, illegitimate child that has, uh, <laughs> you know, that has been uh, raised by uh, Creed's widow. You know, it's, it's, it wasn't that thought out, but right. we get to kind of, and again, I mean, it's something authentic about that because life isn't really planned out that way either, um, as much as the right. Marvel movies want us to think of it. So, well, anyway, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, so, any final thoughts here as we're kind of wrapping up then? No, I don't think so, man. I think that. That about does it. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll be back here to cover Creed 3 once we watch it. I'll be watching it tonight. I know uh, Kyle will be watching it probably a little bit later. I'm assuming you're going to want to see it with me. I will be seeing it tonight, actually, too. I had a friend invite me to the IMAX. So. Oh, okay. And so. then my son will be here this weekend from Nashville, so we'll be seeing it again probably this weekend. Okay, well, are you where are you going to Easton? The... No, Linux. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is closer. All right, well, I was about to say, like, we, we can wave at each other in, yeah. the, in line for popcorn then. But we'll, uh, we'll be back with our uh, discussion on Creed 3 once both of us have seen it. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, hearing uh, some thoughts from you if you watch Creed 3 or any of the other Rocky films. We'd love to hear some feedback on some things that, you, uh, that you're um, getting at. Some of, I know some of the feedback we're getting is like, we know that Rocky's, uh, Rocky and Creed and all these characters are not the best boxers. Uh, but that's, you know, that's not the point of the films. But we get that, you know, for sure. Anyway, well, leave us a review. If you uh, have enjoyed the podcast, it helps other people find us. We'll be back here with 3-3 in a few weeks. And until then, be well, stay safe, and we'll see you here next time on the Art House Roadshow. Take care. And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.